0: Welcome to Thrive Lathrop Podcast. Here at our church, we believe that everyone can thrive. Make sure to subscribe to our channel and enjoy this life-changing message. Amen. Are you ready for the word? All right. Would you stand to your feet for the reading of the word today? And we'll be reading out of Joshua chapter 11. And we are going to read verses 16 through 23. Joshua 11, 16 through 23. And the word of God reads like this. So Joshua took this entire land, the hill country, all the Negev, the whole region of Goshen, the western foothills, the Araba, and the mountains of Israel with their foothills from Mount Halak, which rises toward Seir, to Baal Gad in the valley of Lebanon below Mount Hermon. He captured all their kings and put them to death. Joshua waged war. Against all these kings for a long time. Except for the Hivites living in Gibeon, not one city made a treaty of peace with the Israelites, who took them all in battle. For it was the Lord Himself who hardened their hearts to wage war against Israel, so that He might destroy them totally, exterminating them without mercy, as the Lord had commanded Moses. At that time, Joshua went and destroyed the Anakites from the hill country, from Hebron, Debir, and Anab, from all the hill country of Judah, and from all the hill country of Israel. Joshua totally destroyed them and their towns. No Anakites were left in Israelite territory. Only in Gaza, Gath, and Ashdod did any survive. So Joshua took the entire land, just as the Lord had directed Moses and he gave it as an inheritance to Israel, according to their tribal divisions. Can you read the last line with me? Then the land had rest from war. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. You may be seated. The title of the message today is, Don't Rest Until the War is Over. Amen. Amen. Don't Rest Until the war's Over. Now, we've been walking through the book of Joshua with a few exceptions throughout the year. The ideas we'll be covering the book of Joshua through 2021. The reason we chose Joshua is because it's the story of the Israelites. It's a, a history of the Israelites with a new leader named Joshua taking a new generation of Israelites into a new territory. We, coming out of 2020, coming out of the pandemic, we understood ourselves walking out of one era into another, walking out of one set of challenges into a whole new set of challenges. Our nation fractured, our families even divided, social media becoming an ungodly battleground, Christians losing their witness over politics. We understood that it's a different day, it's a different age. Uh, laws being passed that the church would never, uh, never be at peace with, our children facing challenges that we never faced. And that might be true of every generation, but perhaps not so dramatically as this. But what do we do with it? Do we hide? Do we lose our faith? Do we grow bitter and resentful? do we become hopeless? I believe that the message of the gospel is a timeless message. It's a timeless truth. And this is our day and age, but there have been many days and ages. There have been many uh, fractured nations, and there have been disease and pestilence, and there has been wars and world wars and 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 the gospel has remained true and it has remained pertinent, relevant from generation to generation. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. His word does not return void. And so we want to be a church that is a people of the book, it's a people of the word, it's a, a, a people that are committed to God and to his revelation because it doesn't need to be adjusted for the times. We simply need to respond with a great tenacity. We need to be faithful to the word and to the Lord. There are new giants and there are new walls and there are new enemies and and, and there are are new uh, schemes of the enemy but his light shows us the way. And so that's why we've been walking through the book of Joshua. And coming to chapter 11, and specifically, as, as again, Pastor uh, Matt did a great job, and the other pastor done a really good job, we see here that something has been accomplished, and the people of Israel, and the neighboring, uh, the, the land gets a rest from war. Here's an opportunity For things to stop and cease and, everyone say rest. Rest. Clearly a statement, a dramatic statement, that this is a time for the people to rest. My goal today is to encourage you and inspire you to fight your fight till you win. Battle till you win. You'll get your rest, but you got to fight till you win. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. No weapon formed against you need prosper. You have been called to win, but you don't, and I don't get to decide when the bell rings to rest. It doesn't do a boxer any good to fight really, really well for four and a half minutes. Right? Aren't they five? Oh, no, that's MMA. (laughs) Same thing. They're still fighting. Three-minute boxing match. It doesn't do good to go two minutes and 30 seconds and then say, okay, time out. Can't do that. Can't do that. The battle is still happening. I want to encourage you that the battle is worth fighting. I want to encourage you that you can win the battle. You were meant to win. You were meant to win. I want to kind of describe what this might look like just looking at this particular portion of Scripture. Now, we, 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 we gave a message uh, maybe about a month ago talking about the type of literature that Joshua is. Because I want to let you know the book of Bible is 66 different books, all in harmony. Uh, uh, 40 different writers spanning... Uh, uh, 1,500 years, yet it's in harmony, it is in unity, but it's different types of, of, of literature. When you read Psalms, how many like Psalms? Amen. Oh, I love Psalms. I love Psalms. How many love Leviticus? <laughs> Don't lie, you're in church. Some of you went, I'm in church, I can't pretend, right? And they're not, they're not all the same. They're written different, different ways for different purposes, Psalms are poetry. The Gospels are narrative. You got the, the narrative of Genesis and Exodus, telling story. You got the Proverbs, which is wisdom literature. You've got uh, apocalyptic literature in, in Revelations. You got prophecy. Uh, you got letters. Thank you. You got the epistles of Paul. They're letters, right? So you read them differently. Joshua is a war document. There is... Uh, uh, a purpose for the, the language, the voice that it's written in. And so when you, oftentimes you might hear critics when they read Joshua, how could God kill everybody? Let me, let me just tell you that it's hyperbolic language because there are times when it says and they decimated this particular group, but then they pop up two chapters later. They completely annihilated, and that's war language, okay? Um, and that's important for us to know with the book of Joshua. What God wanted to do was he wanted to establish his people in land he wanted to give them. And he was going to do that regardless of the enemy, so long as Israel would be obedient to him. You following me? So the first thing I want to just impart into your heart, I want to prepare you with so that you know, so that you have what you have to win the battle is this, is that number one, The war can last a long time. The war can last a long time. Your battles can be lengthy. God has not abandoned you just because it's taking a long time to get through something. And don't believe the lies of the enemy that that say it's because of your own failures that it's taking so long. We must look at ourselves, our, our own decisions Leading us into a desire, how many know that the wages there are wages for sin? You can't just do whatever you want and expect it to all go happy, happy. But when we have dedicated ourselves to the Lord, we've scrutinized our heart, we've prayed the prayer of David Search my heart, oh God, find anything here that isn't of you. When we've done such things and we've devoted ourselves to Him, and yet there's still struggle. There's still challenge. There are things coming that we have nothing to do with. They're just coming our way. We have to be okay with the fact that battles can take a long time. Amen. Here again, in chapter 11, verse 18, it says Joshua waged war against all these kings. It says it there. Read the last four words with me. Four. Oh, it's not up there yet. Say for a long time. For a long time. time. Now, here's what's interesting God, with one word, could have just decimated the enemy. He wanted, now, this is so hard for Christians, in particular, American Christians. Because we get everything fast. Can I get a witness? I love the fact that I can, I can, I can order 2,000 calories without getting out of my car. <laughs> Double Western bacon cheeseburger, criss-cut fries. With a Diet Coke. <laughs> right? In America, that fast, that fast, microwaves. I remember when you got your first microwave. If you're too young, you don't know nothing. You don't know nothing about getting things cooked. I remember we got our first microwave, man. We were just like looking at it. And then you'd forget not to put metal in it. Like a mini firework show every time. Oh, turn it off, turn it off, turn it off. Microwave, right? Everything fast, everything fast. Everything fast. It's not that way all around the world. We're exceedingly blessed here. Everything fast. And so for American Christians, let me, let me just kind of, let's get in our own kitchen here today. Because I like things that happen fast too. God does not operate on microwave time. The biblical gospel is given not in the era of microwave, but in the era of sowing, watering, waiting, and then reaping. It's the time frame of a farmer. And so we have to grow a new tolerance for discomfort. And it, some folks have been convinced that if it's uncomfortable, it must not be God. That's, that's an American idea of Christianity. Christianity. We must become tolerant of adversity. There is no shortcut to the process. God wants to remake us and to reshape us, to break parts of us off and to grow parts of us we're missing. If it took you... 35 years to make the mess. Why would we expect him to clean it all up in three months? He could, but there's a blessing in the process. There's an unfortunate uh, story. In 1980 at the Boston Marathon, a woman uh, won the marathon with the third She crossed the finish line with the third fastest time in the history of all marathons. Really a great surprise because she'd been a a runner for quite a while, but she even exceeded her own personal best by by a lot. As she crossed the finish line, they cheered for her and they celebrated her and they uh, started taking pictures and they... and they thought, we have this great accomplishment by this woman. But then questions started to arise because other runners who had been in the lead didn't remember her passing them on the road. The spotters that are set along the the path didn't recall her passing them. Some uh, analysts kind of looked at her body composition and said her, her body's not really like world-class runner type of muscle. They, they did a stress test after the race and found her resting heartbeat in the 70s where most world-class runners are in the 50s. Then someone said, well, I thought I saw her on the subway during the marathon. <laughs> and then they looked at Photographs all along the race didn't see her. They didn't find video footage of her. Two Harvard students came forward and said they saw her burst out of the crowd and start running about a half mile from the end. She cheated. She took a shortcut. She took the subway. I mean, that might be more dangerous than actually running the race. I'm not sure it was... was, 1980 or so. Um, you don't get a prize for cutting corners. You're not going to get where you really want to be by riding a subway when you should be running. Something happens to you. Spiritually, just like something happens to someone physically when they've trained and they've worked and they've persevered and they've sacrificed. They've become differently constituted. Something happens inside to your spiritual heart rate. It slows down. You're not so anxious. Because, not, not because you got zapped by it, but you processed through it. It's not your first rodeo. It's not your first dilemma. And you've learned that God that was with you then and saw you through will see you through now. That only happens with process. For the person who is really, really, you know, who has a history... For the person who has a history of starting and stopping, starting and stopping this race, starting and stopping this race, starting, going, getting excited, being repentant, being broken, maybe hitting the wall, and then regrouping and coming back to the Lord, and then as soon as like month three or month four, and there's there's drama, and there's dilemma, and the questions start to rise, let me encourage you, do not backslide, don't go back, go forward. You can do this in the name of Jesus. You can make it. You've been here before. you got to go farther this time. you got to get that heart rate down. you got to get those muscles stronger. You can do all things through Christ. You can't do it on your own. We're never going to lie to you. am not going to positive think you if you just think happy thoughts. Because the truth is there is pain in your life. And the truth is, is there's, great, there's great disappointment. And the truth is you may have failed not about what you can do. It's about what God can do through the devoted heart, the surrendered heart. Be ready for it to take a while. Don't put God on a clock. Who do we think we are when we put God on a clock? The work can take a long time. Second thing I want to share with you is this, is that not every battle is from the enemy. Don't give the devil so much credit. Don't give the enemy so much credit. Not every battle is from the enemy. Verse 20, very interesting. For it was the Lord himself who hardened their hearts, the enemies of Israel, to wage war against them. So that he might destroy them totally, exterminating them without mercy, as the Lord had commanded Moses. Now again, leave that up there. This is hyperbolic language because they didn't annihilate. This isn't genocide. This is war language. But what the author is, is communicating here is that God wanted to utterly tame the land. He wanted Israel to utterly be in control. So... Just as he did with Pharaoh, he was going to make sure that the enemy did not, that Israel and the enemy, the enemies, the surrounding peoples, did not have compromises. Remember, the only treaty was with the Gibeonites, and that was a mistake. Joshua did not confer with the Lord. He didn't pray. He just did it. And that was an error in judgment. God did not want the people of Israel to create unholy treaties with the people groups around them. He didn't want the nation of Israel to be contaminated by pagan worship. He didn't want them compromised or beholding to an adversary that could not be trusted. So God made sure in his sovereignty. Now let me say it again: God is good. All the time? God is good? good? All the time? time? God is good. good. You mean all the time? So even when he makes sure you have to fight your way through, he is good. The Lord is in control. The Lord is sovereign. You don't have to go there, but in Matthew chapter 4, we are told very clearly that Jesus was led by the Spirit into the desert to be tempted by the devil. The Holy Spirit led Jesus into the desert to be tempted by the devil. So there are some encounters that God sets up for us to be able to fight and to battle. He can zap your life and there's never a contrary conversation. There's never a struggle. There's never a pain. And I believe God protects us all day long. But there are some things the Lord will orchestrate in his benevolent sovereignty. So that you and I can learn to war. Learn to fight, because there are some things we cannot learn until we have fought. There are some things that will not become a real part of our character, a real part of our spirituality, until we have put our hands to the battle. So here with Joshua, God wanted to give him the entire territory. So there, that meant there were no treaties. There was going to be no easy path, no compromise. And there's a story of a, of a man who owned a farm in Texas. His last name was Yates. And, and it was during the Great Depression, and he was losing everything. He'd had the farm for most of his adult life, bought it and tilled it and worked it. He was losing everything, and the bank was calling the, the note. Three weeks from, from uh, having to surrender the property to the bank because he just couldn't make the payment, some uh, uh, men in the oil business visited him and said, hey, can, can we dig for oil on your property? And he said, go ahead. I mean, in three weeks, it's not mine anyway, so go ahead and put, make holes on it if you want. Go ahead and make some holes in it. Well, sure enough, they dug and they they found, they hit a gusher. They call it a gusher in Texas, Oklahoma. I don't know if they do. That's just what I'm calling it. Started gushing. Over 80,000 barrels a day coming out. Mr. Yates instantly became a multi-multi-millionaire. What's interesting, though, is he really became a millionaire the day he bought the land. He just didn't know it. Because some things you don't know till you dig. When we have come to Christ... We inherit all of his power and all of his goodness. The same power that resurrected Christ from the dead enlivens you. But you may not know it till you have to dig. The story of the judges, these men of war that God would anoint... The Spirit of God would come upon them to battle, and you would have have one man smiting 2,000 men with a sword. In fact, one account is the sword froze to his hand, and he was given power. He didn't know how much power could flow through him, so he had to fight. You don't know what you got till you have to contend. Till you have to sacrifice. So you have to show your children how to live by faith, not by sight, when you don't have everything that you think you need in the physical, but you're convinced you have it in the spiritual. And you tell your kids, God's gonna come through. God's gonna come through. I don't know how, that's okay to tell your kids. I don't know how. But God is going to come through. You don't know till you stick to it. You gotta dig. You got to dig. Because not every battle is from the devil. Sometimes the Lord is setting you up to contend so your spiritual muscles can become strong, so that you can grow wise in battle, so that you can tell a younger brother or younger sister, this is how you fight. I've seen this before. Ooh, that smells like... Funny, that smells. I know that smell. I've had that in my life. I've I've heard, uh, I've seen the enemy form against me like this. This is how you fight. To share with your children, with your grandchildren, how they don't have to fear, how they can stay faithful. That God is up to something good. You walk long enough with the Lord. I'm gonna end right here. You walk long enough with the Lord. It doesn't take all the pain out of the world. It doesn't. We don't teach here a name it and claim it kind of doctrine. You get your way like we're all spoiled kids. Like that's not a good father. Because sometimes what we want is the last thing we should have. We just don't know it. We we don't know it because we're just human. We can't see tomorrow like God can. For us, time is linear. He's in it and out of it, He's around it. So, no, God doesn't just give you everything you want. The longer you walk with Him, doesn't mean that you weep less. Because life can be tragic. I mean, life can be really, really hard. Life can be the greatest of tragedies. This room is filled with witnesses. The life can be hard. But the room is filled with witnesses that as hard as life is, God is able to carry us. That we do get up and fight another day. That the enemy doesn't have to beat us. And that our pain doesn't have to define us. The longer you walk in this, the longer you learn to fight the fights, you have to fight. And not take timeouts or, or jump out of the ring or, or forfeit. The longer that we've learned to fight the fights till we're done fighting, till we've won, the wiser we get. I was talking with someone in the lobby today. One of my favorite scriptures in Matthew 5 is, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. The more you learn to fight, the purer your heart gets. And the more you see him fighting with you. In fact, fighting through you. And then even fighting ahead of you. The more peace, the more joy, the more stability, the more strength. There's a time to rest. But it's not in the middle of the round. Today you might be tired. You might your hands are weary. That's why we worship. That's why we fellowship. That's why we have we're in a group with brothers and sisters that can pray and share how they beat that that battle, how they overcame that devil, how they got out of that snare why we read the word, and it's why we trust the Lord. And then we rest. After David had beat Goliath, he cut off his head. That's when he rested. Not till the battle has been won. Would you stand with me, family, and we're gonna worship for just a few moments. Perhaps today you're a little weary, your arms a little tired. We're just gonna worship together for a few minutes here. Maybe you needed to hear an exhortation not to quit, don't quit. Maybe you needed to be reminded that greater is he that is in you, really, really. Maybe you needed to be reminded that God is good Maybe you needed to be reminded that that God may be, that God has not lost sight of you and that your battle might actually be a gift. What you're dealing with today, can you just give it to him? Can you entrust it to him? Can you choose to believe today? Can you choose to keep fighting today? Thank you again for tuning into our podcast. For more info, please visit our website at ThriveLathrop.com. Have an amazing rest of your week.